Exactly about April 19th. What you say, Bree? Good Friday. What's this Sunday? Easter. Hey, don't feel bad if you didn't know. I didn't know until my first year in Bible college when Good Friday was. I was like, Good Friday. What? So, you know, if you don't know, it's all right. Now you know, right? And we're going to get into what makes Good Friday good. What is it about Good Friday and why we can celebrate the hype out of the, out the grave and celebrate Easter. We should know these things. You know, it's not just an American holiday or a world holiday. This is some real stuff. If you could turn off the music completely, please. And if you could put on the first verse, we're going to get right into the Word of God. Uh, it's going to be real straightforward today. If you can go to uh, the verse in Romans, please. Romans 3, 10. So 20, and if you guys have a Bible, you can go there. If you don't have a Bible, it's okay. You know, you don't have to go to your phone. It's right up here, right? So in Romans 3, uh, 10 through 18, it, it, it starts in a very somber tone, right? We understand who God is. God created the heavens. He created the earth. He created people. He created everything that has been created. God created that, okay? And actually, the Bible says he created everything good. We understand that. Matter of fact, he created everything pleasing to the eye. He created everything to look good, to act good. That's why not only are we humans that function well, right? We, we, get, we all eat this hole and we all poop out this hole, right? Glad it ain't the other way around. That's called design. God created us good, okay? So he created us to, and also to look good. We have purpose with how we look. There's a reason why some of us are beautiful and, and all of us are beautiful. But there's a reason why we have models and everything and people get paid just to, you know, that's their genetics. Like they didn't do anything for it. But they get paid to be a model. Then we have things like the Niagara Falls where we pay just to see God's creation. There's a reason why all of creation is good and it looks good. God created it that way. But then here's the thing, right? We part of his creation, we were trusted to manage the earth, to take care of the earth, to seek God, to understand him, to be in fellowship with him. That means to be his friend. We were made to be that. God wanted us to be his friend. But, right, out of our own free will, not his, he didn't force us to sin against him. We sinned against him. Mankind, all of us, have sinned against a good God, right, a good God. Now, there's some consequences with this. That means, right, just like if someone did something bogus to you, I was, uh, I was out evangelizing with uh, Jazzy. Where's Jazzy? Where's Jazzy? Is Jazzy here? What's up, Jazzy? So I was evangelizing with Jazzy yesterday, and she brought her cousin, Eric, and I was talking to a, a kid named Caesar, and I, I went to Eric, and I'm like, man, if someone, did you, uh, so, something, if someone did you bogus, right? Like, let's say they stole money from you. They kept gossiping about you. They slandered your name. What would you do? Would you keep them as your close friend? What would you do? And he said, man, I cut them off, right? So they sinned against him. He cuts them off. Here's the thing is that all of us have sinned against God. In a sense, we have cut ourselves off from God, all of us. And it says right here, and, you know, many of us, we have these misconceptions, you know. I work at, a, at an after-school pro- program, and, and they're always talking about how these kids, they're secretly good. You know what I'm saying? They got some good in them. You know, they do a good thing, they get a, they get a treat, they get to do a good thing, they get uh, the ability to go on six flags and everything, and, you know, that's good. But, right, when you're in closed doors and when they're away, I hear all these things, like they're getting in fights, they're stealing, they're doing all this stuff, and, I, and, and they just answer with their kids. But most kids don't even know how, they haven't been taught how to lie, they haven't been taught how to steal, they haven't been taught all these things. It's almost like they grow up doing it. 
It's like they're born sinners. And that's actually what the Bible teaches. It says, as it is written in Romans 3.10, there is no one righteous, not even one. Righteous means there is no one that is right with God. Not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. Not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. They lie. They do nothing but lie. The poison of vipers is on their lips. They speak nothing but death. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery marks their way. And the way of peace they don't don't know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Before we go to the next couple verses, there's no fear of God in their eyes. There's no belief in God in their eyes. They literally do whatever they please. They do whatever they want to do. They seek no one. They seek, they don't seek God. They seek everything but God. But who is the they in this conversation? This is all of us. This is all of us. You see, right here, it's not talking about aliens. It's not talking about your neighbor. It's not talking about anyone else. It's actually talking about, you just point the finger right at you. It's talking about you. talking about me. It's saying no one is righteous, not even one. We've all sinned against God. We've all turned our backs on him. We've all said, hey, God, I don't care what you're saying. I know you have your way of living, but I'd rather live my way. We curse We're bitter, we're jealous, we're quick to hate, we're quick to be bitter. And it says, ruin and misery marks their ways, the way of peace they do not know. No fear of God in their eyes. They do whatever they please. That's what the Bible says about us. This isn't a pep talk. This isn't what people, you know, do to make people feel good. This is just reality. Okay, this is the hard-nosed truth. This is reality here. This is how God, when he looks upon the earth, he sees most of the earth now. But this is what we do now. We kind of know this, right? How many of you guys try to be better people every day or better people once in a while? You know, you see a homeless man. You're like, well, I fed him. You see your friend. You try to take care of him. We try to do these good things, and these good things should make us better to God, right? But that's not the case. If we can go to Romans uh, Romans, 10, Romans 3, tw- uh, 19 to 20, this is what it says right after that. This is how people try to work with God now. They said, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced, but the whole world be held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight, but by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we became conscious to of our sin. We became aware of our sin. So everybody know the Ten Commandments? Raise your hand if you know the Ten Commandments. Y'all, y'all, y'all never been to confirmation, communion, you know, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt have only God, only God, only one God before them, no other God. Yeah, everyone heard, hears of that, but listen, all of you guys have broke that. All of you guys have broke every single commandment. Let's say you've tried to say, well, you know, I've never murdered anyone. You know, I've never stolen anything. I've never done any of that. I'm better than this person. I'm better than that person. I'm better than at least these people over here. But the Bible says you break one command, you're guilty of them all. You see, one sin against God, you've sinned against him. You've cut him off. You said, God, I hate you and your law. That's what the Bible says. So what do we do? We try to do what we're good at. I hear a lot, of, a lot of people, they say, man, I'm a nice guy. You know, I mean, I mean sure, I curse like a sailor. Sure, you know, I, I got an anger issue, but I'm a real nice guy. I got some good in me. 
But according to the Bible, you don't have good in you, and you don't have any, any ability to do good. You can do things that seem good just to, be, just to seem good, just to, just to appear as a righteous person. But the Bible says that you have no righteousness. So, and literally, you could do the best you could do. You could sin here, do this, sin here, do that. You have your free will to do that. But when you face God, you're not going to be right to him in his eyes. You see, you cannot please God by doing the right thing because we've already done the wrong thing. We've already done so many sins. We've already sinned against God. We've already lied. We've already stolen. We've already become a thief. We've already become a liar. Literally, the Bible says that we cannot be made right before his eyes by our works, by what we can do. So if you went to Catholic school, if you grew up doing confirmation, communion, all those things, you thought that all those things were pleasing God. You confessed your sins to a priest, you did mass, or if you grew up going to church thinking, man, well, if I don't cuss here, if I get better and better each and every moment, maybe God will be happy with me. You've been deceived, you've been lied to. You're about as sinful as any other sinner on earth. There's no greater sinner. There's, you're, you're, you're where Hitler is the minute you sin. You're where Mao Zedong is who killed a bunch of Chinese people and a bunch of, uh, a bunch of uh, Jews as well. You're, you're where they're at. You're, you're, just because Trump is the president and his sins are is more uh, public than you doesn't mean you're any better than him. Literally, everyone is at this place of not being good. And I have to tell you that on Good Friday, that listen, on Good Friday, no one, no one is good. No one is good, not even one. So what can we do now? If none of our works help, if none of what we do is actually being good, like we can do all these religious things, we can be a religious person. If that does not help us, what can we do? What is our hope? The Bible says that's Jesus Christ, that he is our hope. And I know a lot of you guys are going to say, man, well, no duh, right? That's why I'm here in church, to learn about Jesus. But even if you learned all you could know about Jesus, I'm telling you right now, if you do not believe in him, if you do not trust in him, then guess what? All that knowledge is crap. All of that knowledge is nothing. You are still dead in your sin. If you can go to uh, 1 John 2, uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 2, please, verse, chapter 1. So my dear children, this is John now. He's a disciple of Jesus. He walked with Jesus. I write this to you so that you will not sin. So he does not want us to sin. But here's the thing. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. We have an ally. We have someone who is on our side with the Father. And who is that, guys? If you can shout it out. Scream it out. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Hold up. The righteous one. The righteous one. You see, I'm telling you guys right now, you trying to do righteous things, the Bible says that it's like filthy rags. Your deeds, your good works, how many times you count the good things you've done on a week. Well, I fed the homeless. I gave a dollar to that guy who just begs all the time in the street. I listened to my mom finally. I, did. I didn't kill anybody today. Hey, praise God, right? I didn't steal from anybody. Hey, praise God, right? All these things. I didn't lie today. I told the truth. You're still not righteous. There's only one that is righteous. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And it says right here, he's the atoning sacrifice. What that means is he pays for our sin. 
He pays for our sins. So all the bad things you've done, you know how God went really into detail how bad the world is? Yeah, imagine going before a judge and you got all the laws broken on you. I mean, you straight ran a red light. You straight broke into property. You did everything you could possibly do. And the judge says, you know what? You've been found innocent. Someone has took your case. Someone has took the sin for you. Someone has paid not only your bail, but he's taken your punishments. That's what happened to Jesus, to Jesus Christ. We had all the sin on us. We were guilty. We were condemned. Listen, we were going to hell. Jesus stepped in the way. He said, I'm going to take their punishment. I'm going to take their sins. We should have been nailed to the cross, not him. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, but not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. I don't care if you're Muslim. I don't care if you're Catholic and you got your own religious beliefs. I don't care if you've been a good Christian your whole life. This is for you. It's for the whole world. It's for the Muslim. It's for the Buddhist. It's for the gay. It's for the straight. It's for those that lie, those who steal, those who think of themselves as good. If you don't have Jesus paying your sins, you're dead and going to hell. And it says right here, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. You see, Jesus came. Listen, when Jesus came, he lived a sinless life. He did what we could not do. He paid the price that we could not pay. He walked in a way that we could never walk. He was innocent. He was blameless. He had no sin. And what happened to him was people were mad. Because they knew he was telling the truth. He told people, listen, your righteousness is not as good as you think it is. You cannot save yourself. They end up crucifying him on that good Friday. And when he was crucified, nails in his hands, nails in his feet, thorns around his head. Do you think all of a sudden people felt bad for him? No, they said, yo, you claim to be the son of God. You know, on, their, on, their, on the cross, they put king of the Jews on there to mock him, to mock him. They sold his clothes. They ripped his clothes off, and they ripped it in pieces, and they sold it to each other. They said, if you're the son of God, and you came to save everyone else, why don't you save yourself? And this morning, I was on Facebook, and I was looking at a guy. He was, he, his name is the science enthusiast. He was talking about, this makes no sense. Why would God send his son to die for his creation, only to resurrect and save his creation? Yet people are still in sin. I'm like, my friend, you just preached the gospel. Because guess what? The good God who created the heavens and the earth became a man, died on the cross for his creation, and they still denied him. They still rejected him. And some of you guys come every Friday, you go to church every Sunday, and you still reject God. You're no better than the people who gave him up to to get crucified. The Bible says if you claim to know God, they continue in sin. You've literally emptied the cross of its power. You've cut yourself off from Jesus. You've literally crucified Christ again. You're no better than the religious people that did that. You're no better than the people that put the piercings in his hands, that put the nails in his feet. You're no better than them. But yet, we got righteous deeds. 
We go to church every Sunday. I'm good. I'm good, God. But we know that we know him. Once we keep his commands, you see, there's this thing, right? I remember when I was younger, the Bible says, right, with knowledge of the law comes death. I knew what was wrong. I saw the Ten Commandments. I'm like, dang, I broke that one. Dang, I broke that one. I'm just going to keep breaking them, I guess, right? I couldn't get away from sin. The Bible says with knowledge of the law comes sin. And here's the thing. It's not like God put there to be like some kind of a dictator, like, hey, follow this or you die. But it's the fact that he knew that we were in sin and he tried to show us what was right. When I was young, I didn't understand that. I kept sinning against God, kept sinning against God. I was afraid to go to hell, but I had no love for God. Then he changed my life once it became true. What became true? The gospel. That this Jesus Christ isn't just a historical figure. Like, it's not just like talking about Abraham Lincoln. I don't come to church just to hear about a history lesson. I come to church to know more about the Christ I already know. You see, you can never read the Bible enough and know God. Jesus said you try to find life in these scriptures, but life is in me. You see, you can never, never in your life get closer to God than what he did to bring you close to him. You can't add to that. You can't add to that. It's either you know him and you live like him. If you don't, you have an advocate, you repent, or you don't know him at all. You see, if we know that we have come to know him, we keep his commands. If you go to the next passage, but some of you guys, it's not reality yet. It's not true. It's just a historical fact, maybe. Maybe there was a guy who was Jesus that lived Maybe it's just what my parents tell me. Maybe this and that. You know, it's just a, it's just a side thing. It's to make me a little better person. Listen, it's not a, listen, if you just want to become a better person by following Jesus, there's the door. You might as well never step in another church because that was never the aim of the gospel. You see, this is the truth right now, that Jesus Christ died a brutal, gruesome death. He said it was finished on the cross. What was finished? Your salvations. See, the only way you can be saved from hell, right? Hell is a place where you spend for eternity. You're burning. There's no joy. There's no peace. Everything that God created this world with that was good, that makes us laugh, it's not there. God is still there. He still rules over hell. You guys think the devil does? The devil has no power over hell. God is ruler over hell. It was created for the devil to be there and to suffer, you see, now we decide to be children of the devil because we don't want to trust in Jesus. We go there. We go there. We willingly go there. Christ is calling us to follow him. We say, nah, I like my pornography better. I like sleeping with my girlfriend. I like my pride. I don't fear you, God. So we go the other way. Christ is calling us. We go the other way. And there's a reason why. It's because we have not yet come to know this is true, that Jesus died and he resurrected. If you can go to the next passage in uh, 1 Corinthians, please. It says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Many of us were held in this, this wrong idea. There is no purgatory. You die, you were dead. There's no second chance. You die, you're dead. All the millions that you made, all the school accomplishments you had, all the sports teams that you were in, everything you did is done. It's stupid. You're dead. It's literally not even something to blink at because you're dead. And this is something I want everyone to think about the moment you die on your deathbed. 
Yeah, you know, you didn't come here to be encouraged today. You came here to be warned. The Bible says, if I don't warn you, blood is on my hands. Your blood is on my hands. Listen, think about when you're going to die. Listen, all those things you did, all the time you, you put into school, after school matters, uh, clubs, everything, all the things you did, literally it's nothing, you're dead. You can't bring anything with you. That's why people try to create medicine so people can live longer, Right? That's why people create ways to be healthy so you can add a day to your life. That's why people think about positive vibes because they know stress decreases their life. But listen, whether you die at 15 or 100, you're dead. Whether it's a long life or a short life, you're dead. Nothing in this world could give you more life. They try to freeze Walt Disney. He's dead. They, they, they try to meditate for years. They die. They'll die in that position as a meditation. They try, they try to clone people probably. They're still dead. You have a soul. But guess what? When Christ comes back, that soul is going to go into a new body. It's called the resurrection. And it says right here, 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 14, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Some of you guys live like there ain't no heaven, no hell. Like there's no resurrection. Like this life is all there is. These 60 to 70 years is all there is. Ain't a shame that if you lived your whole life just to find out there's nothing after, there's nothing after it. There's emptiness. But Christ says there is something after it. There's either heaven or there's hell. There's either darkness or there's light. Now here's the thing. Which one do you choose? Because if you're saying there's no resurrection, there's, no, there's nothing, there's no heaven, there's no hell, we go to church just to go to church to be better people, I want you to understand this. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Listen, if you don't live like there's a resurrection, you're useless to the faith. Your faith is useless. Literally everything you believe about God, if there's no resurrection, is useless. You're still dead in your sins. There's still a hell waiting for you. Christ did not resurrect. There's no resurrection. You have no power over your sin. It's plain and simple. You either believe that Christ died, he resurrected, your life is now changed, or your faith is futile and you're dead in your sins. That's it. Literally, that's it. Some of you guys have heard a message like this before, and you're still living in your sin. Listen, Christ resurrected. Think about that. What does that mean? He's out the grave. That's what we're talking about, right? What the heck does that mean? That means that death has been defeated. That means that what you can't defeat, what you can't defeat, what Bill Gates can't defeat, what Donald Trump cannot stop, what no one in this world that has ever lived can defeat, death has been defeated by Christ has been defeated by Christ. Everything you've tried to do that can make you feel better, like you've accomplished everything, everything that you've done to make yourself feel like you have a full life, that will all be emptied once you are dead. But guess what? There is one. There is a righteous one who will save you from your sin, change your life, and then give you a new life when you die. And that's Christ. You see, people try to live longer, but I'm trying to live forever. People try to live a full life. I'm trying to live a life where I know God. Listen, you could know 
You can know rulers. You can know presidents. You can know rich people. You can know rappers. You can try to be in that club. You can try and be in Forbes list. But none of them compares to knowing Christ. You see, there's a reason why rich people are committing suicides. Family members are committing suicides. They spend time with the family the whole time. Their family doesn't know they're going to commit suicide the next day. You see, in Christ, you have what you need. You have what the, you, your soul has been searching for. You try to search for love, but it keeps messing up. Christ is love. You try to search for satisfaction and purpose, but Jesus has been giving you purpose the whole time. Know him. Know your purpose. Know Christ. Know what it means to be content. And here's the thing, after it's all said and done, and you've obeyed God, you've known God, when you die, you won't, come, you won't awake to purgatory, you won't awake to all of a sudden your, your family praying for you, talking to you in a cemetery, a spirit floating around, you will, wait, you will awake to the face of God. And what will God think? What will God see? Will he see someone who is not righteous, someone who is not good, someone who does not seek, did not seek him, someone who did not understand him, someone who just was full of lies and deceit and hatred? Will he see that? Will he see the, selfish, the selfishness, the lack of fear in our eyes? Or will he see a child? It's either one or the other. Because once you believe in his death, his burial, and his resurrection, you believe it in his heart, your heart. The Bible says you'll be made a child of God. And the evidence of this is that we love him. You see, you cannot even love God until you've come to believe in him. You cannot even love God until you've come to trust in him. So this is what I want to do if I can have Stephanie come up, if I had the altar workers. Listen, we're going to have an altar call. What altar call is, is basically if you've never been to a church before or You've been to different churches. You can come up. You can receive prayer. These people cannot save you. This cannot save you. You need to trust in Jesus. You need to have a relationship with God now. Don't wait till you're older. Don't wait till you think you have enough time. There are people that die thinking that. But yet, you have an opportunity to be saved today. You have an opportunity to come to know the living God today. Listen, this is not a scheme. This is not manipulation. This is not a religious brainwashing. Christ actually died. He actually rose again. If you don't live like it, it's because you don't believe in that. That's what the Bible says. There's no struggling in Christ. There's no, I'm just getting better in Christ. There's no, I'm working on myself in Christ. He's done the work. It's finished. This is either yes or it's no. This is either it's true or it's completely fake. It's bull crap. It's, it's that simple. And I got to speak like that to wake you guys up. Because you think that church is just a religion. That you can stack other things above Christ. You can stack your, your job. You can stack your money. You can stack your school. You can stack your family. Everything comes before Jesus. Because Jesus was never real. He never resurrected in your mind. But I'm telling you right now that if that is the case, you might as well stop going to church. You might as well stop playing this game. You might as well repent or give up because you're not fooling anyone. You're not fooling God. So if I can have everyone stand up, please. You see, Christ, 
He, the reason why he came, the reason why he died on the cross, it was not meant to condemn us, but it was meant to save us. You see, he so desperately wants to save you. He so desperately wants to know you. He was willing to die for that. You want people to love you. Christ has been calling your name this whole time. You want people to show that they care about you. Christ came, became a man. He knows you. He cares for you. But listen, this is real. This is real. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't make-believe. This is either real 100% or it's just another fairy tale your parents tell you to make you feel better. But let's say right now, okay, we all believe, most of us believe in Jesus. Most of us will say, yeah, maybe he resurrected, right? I want to challenge you right now. If you're not willing to come up to the altar call, if you're not willing to pray and, and speak to God now, I want to challenge you during your week to seek God, to learn about the resurrection, to find out whether it was true or not. Because I'm telling you right now, there is nothing more true than Christ coming out of the grave. Nothing. It wasn't something that people just made up. People saw Christ, the one who died on the cross, and they're like, hey, Jesus is here. He's alive. He's risen. So here's the thing. You guys could come, hear the word, make a joke out of it, live your life like you have. Or you can come to the fact that there was a God who came and became a man, and he died, and he actually resurrected. He rose from the grave. He rose from the grave. And I can't say that enough. He rose from the grave. If that does not blow your mind, if that does not change the way you think, then you and your faith are futile. you guys can bow your heads and close your eyes, please. I know this is, a, this is a hard message, but this is the message that Jesus preached. This is the type of stuff that you need to understand is that this is not some kind of church where you feel good. The gospel is not meant for your feelings. It's meant to save your soul. You're not coming here just to get cured from depression. You're coming here to know the living God. Christ, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the only one who is good. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give us this revelation, that you are alive, that we are not talking to a distant God. We are not talking to a God who just turns his ears from us, but we're talking to a God who is in this place right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would invade the lives of these people, God. That you would begin to convict them of their sin, of their judgment, of our, of our unrighteousness, of our wickedness, God. I pray that today many will come to know you, Lord. I pray that this message would not just be another message, God, but it would be the truest thing they've ever heard, Lord. That it would set them free, God, from depression. It would set them free from sin, from anger, from hatred. And God, they would now be known by you and known to you, God. Lord, have your way, Jesus, in this time. Begin to speak to those who don't know you. Begin to speak to those who do know you. Jesus' name. So you guys, I'm, I'm telling you, if you're not coming up, please pray. Speak to God. As Stephanie sings this song, I want you to think about on your deathbed, 
What is the next thing you want to see? Do you want to see a God as, a, as your friend, as your father? Or do you want to see God as your judge who's going to look at all the sin you've done because you never trusted in him, because you never gave it to him, you never gave your life to him? Hallelujah. If you're in your seat right now and you're still thinking, you're still thinking whether you should trust in Jesus. You're still thinking whether or not you should trust in him. I want you to understand there is no one else you can trust in. Listen, family members will fail you. Education will fail you. Everything in this world that you can see and touch with your hands, it will fail you. Houses can be destroyed. Money can be stolen. Everything in you that you see in this world will fade. It will perish. But Christ is alive forever. Christ will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will be a friend that will never turn his ear from you. He will forgive you. And yes, you need forgiveness. Oh, you need forgiveness. That shame, that guilt, no matter how much music you listen to, 
No matter how, how much TV you drown yourself in, no matter how many drugs you take, no matter how, many, how much alcohol you drink, the shame, the guilt, the sin, it's still there. No matter how much money, how, many, how much education you have, the shame, the sin is still there. You need forgiveness. You need Christ. So accept Christ now. Repent. If you're in your seats, all you have to do is hear the word of God. Believe it. Receive it. Believe that Christ died. Believe that he resurrected. Confess it with your mouth. Tell him yourself, Jesus, save me. And the Bible says that you will be saved. So as Stephanie continues to sing, listen. Get alone with God. Speak to him. He wants to desperately save you. He wants you so bad he died for it. Great are you, Lord. We believe in the power of your blood, God. Yes, Lord. Power of your resurrection. Great are you, Lord. Oh, God, great are you to remove guilt, God, to remove shame, God to remove sin as far as the east is from the west in our lives, God. Great are you, Lord. So great, we lift you up in this place. Great are you, Lord. You are worthy of it all. found worthy there's only one found worthy scripture in the Bible and if the sound booth could find it while I'm reciting it but it goes like this this is what it's saying in 2nd Corinthians it says to some the cross 
is, per- is, is foolishness. To those who are perishing, the cross is foolishness. But to those who are saved, it is the hope of eternal life. And I'm kind of paraphrasing right now. Once they find out, I'll show you. But listen, many of you guys, you see, you hear the word of God, and it's almost stupid. It's almost stupid that people here are at the altar. It's almost stupid here that we're talking about a man that lived 2,000 years ago. And it says right here, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. There you go. It's the power of God. So if you think this is stupid, if you think this is not worth living your life about, if this ain't worth it, you are dying. You are perishing. You are literally on your way to hell if you think this is not worth your life. That's what the Bible is saying. That's what the good God is saying to us. If we think this is not worth our life, if this, we think it's not worth our time to know Jesus, to walk with him, to know him, to speak to him, if it's not worth it, the message of the cross is stupid, we are perishing. We are literally on our way to hell. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's the power of God. What does it do with the power of God? It saves you from sin. It helps you live a righteous life and to be as bold and as controversial as I can. It actually makes you live exactly like Jesus. Exactly like Jesus. So this is what I want to say before I I give a prayer dismissal is don't think the cross is foolishness. Because if you do, you're perishing. It's not that when you think it's foolish, you're perishing. No, it's a sign to yourself that this is where you're going right now. This is where your life is headed. You can be as high as you can on drugs, on money. You can be right where Hugh Hefner was, right where Donald Trump was. You can think of all the rappers you can. Nipsey Hussle, he ended, his life was ended quickly, unfortunately. You can be all the way up there. But if you thought the cross was foolishness, you will perish. But to us who are being saved, those who believe in Jesus, it is the power of God. It is eternal life. So, Lord, I thank you, God, that the message of the cross is preached. Not only to me, not only to elevate, but to the whole world, God. Because, Jesus, you died for the sins of the whole world. So, God, I ask you, Lord, that throughout the week you would begin to humble You would begin to humble us, Lord. Humble us who think the cross is foolishness. Begin to speak to us, Lord. Guide us to yourself, Jesus. Draw us in with your loving kindness that we may know you, that we may may believe in you, Jesus. And I pray for us that believe in your resurrection, that trust in you, Jesus, that believe in the message of the cross, that we would experience the power of God wherever we go, that we would experience the resurrection life wherever we go in our school as we go back, in our household, that we would know your power and we would live by it in Jesus' name. Lord, we are thankful, God, that you are out the grave, that you have resurrected, you have defeated death, and you have given us life. So in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen, guys. So if you're not praying, you're free to be dismissed. But if you are praying, the band's